Mac Power Users, episode 733, our favorite iPhone apps. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined by the esteemed, the inedible, the ineb, the ineb, Stephen, what happened? My mouth broke. The inedible? You can't eat me. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. How about just we'll leave it at esteemed? It's got to stay where, in. <laughs> I, you don't know. No, I agree, but I don't know where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> I need to get, I need to do more planning on my compliments. How about the, uh, how about the distinguished? We'll go with that. I mean, it sounds makes me sound fancier than I am, but yeah, I'll take it. Oh, you are very fancy. People, this is what people don't know about Stephen. He drives a pickup truck. You know, he likes to put on the drawl once in a while. Mm-hmm. He's the fanciest guy, though. I, I got mean, a beard. You know. Yeah, I mean, don't you? You, you use Grey Poupon, don't you? You don't when you eat a sandwich. No, I bet, I bet you on. do. Oh, yeah. Man. All right. When you when you drink from a cup, do you lift your pinky? Be, no, I mean, where is this coming pictures. from? What is happening yeah. to the show? I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> know. I've just gone off the rails at the beginning. Uh, okay, either way. Here we are, uh, Mac Power Years Today, gang. We're talking about our favorite iPhone apps. Um, we wanted to do this for a while because, you know, occasionally an app comes up on the show and we're like, oh, yeah, I really like that app. But we haven't really focused on it for a very long time. So what we thought we'd do is we just make a list of the apps that we're using all the time on our iPhones. You know, the iPhone is a unique device in the Apple ecosystem. It fits in your pocket. It's with you all the time. For a lot of people, it's their main computing device. And we thought it would just be kind of fun to talk about what we use. Yeah, yeah. We we do this on occasion. And um, I looked back through the previous times we've done this, and I was surprised about how many new names are on this list. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to get into it. I, I will tell you, I downloaded some stuff because you got in the document first this time. And you had some stuff that I was like, oh, I need to, I need to check that out. Yeah, the that is the the trick between the hosts on the show. When we do one of these list shows, the first person in the outline wins mm-hmm. um, because we do actually like a lot of the same apps. But but like uh, you also added a few here that have me interested too. So I think I think we got a lot to talk about, Stephen. Yeah. So let's just get started. Uh, actually, before we do, um, we've got a couple announcements. Yeah, so uh, if you are a Relay FM member, you've already heard this, but I want to make the announcement here because not everyone sees the newsletter or listens to Backstage or is even in the Discord, although you should do all of those things. But starting March 1st, uh, membership is going to uh, go from $5 a month and $50 a year to $7 a month or $70 a year. And in those various outlets, we've uh, explained what's going on and the reason for that. Uh, but basically, the short version is Mike Hurley, my partner at Relay FM. Uh, we've been subsidizing a lot of the costs for the company out of our own pockets for quite a while now, and we've just kind of reached a point where that's not sustainable. Uh, there's no secret that the ad market for podcasting is uh, has been struggling of late. We do expect that to turn around at some point, but we think it may be a little while. And what this lets us do is take the fi- fixed cost of the company and move it off of advertising onto membership. So that that, uh, that additional uh, cost for membership is going to help us uh, keep the company uh, running at its current scale and size. There's really nothing in the company that we feel like we can change and keep the shows the quality they are, right? Like we have editors and designers and all these people, and we want to keep all of that going. And so this was really the way forward for us. Um, so if you are a member 
Go check out that episode of Backstage. Mike and I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. That's in the crossover feed, if you're subscribed to that. Uh, also, was in a newsletter we sent out uh, a couple of weeks ago. But want to give everybody a heads up here as well. And uh, I got to say, David, a lot of the feedback from this has been overwhelmingly supportive. And if you send us a note, um, thank you. It's been, it was a hard decision. As you may imagine, Mike and I really wrestled with this really for a long time. And when we finally made the decision, we knew that some people would be unhappy with it. And that's totally fine and expected. But what I didn't expect was how much uh, encouraging, <laughs> how many encouraging words and notes that we've gotten. And that's really been something special the last couple of weeks for us. Yeah. And I, just to be clear, this is not extra money for the host. This is to keep the lights on and it yep. does cost money to host these podcasts and hire editors and all this stuff. So uh, this is really helping keeping the lights on. And to all of you who are members, I just want to thank you because it really does help make the show work. Um, you know, we don't make as much as we used to on sponsorships and the membership really matters. So it does. Uh, thanks everybody who is a supporter. Every week we try to bring you special content as members this week. We're going to, I, was set free on the NOM show floor this year, Stephen. National Association of Music Merchants, a bunch of tech stuff there. I want to talk about that in today's episode of More Power Users. But that's just an example. We always have cool content for you as a member, and you can learn more at relay.fm slash MPU. So let's get into some apps. And uh, since you got in the document first, it's only fair that you get to go first. Yeah. Okay. So the first one I want to talk about is one that is mentioned on the show. This is not a new one, but it's one that I just have to mention because I think it might be my favorite iPhone app and that's drafts. Um, uh, Greg Pierce has become a friend over the years. I, I don't want that to cloud my judgment. You know how it is when you know this guy is working so hard on the app and you want to help him out, but I just use this app all the time. Drafts is so great. Uh, It's like a uniquely iPhone application. You open it up. There's a blinking cursor. You type words, and then you can move those words basically anywhere on your device or share it or whatever so quickly. I just can't get over how often I use the app and how fast it makes it. Just yesterday, I had a call with a good friend. Uh, who was giving me some good accessibility advice on the show and uh, some of the stuff I'm making. So as soon as I got a phone, I just opened up drafts and I dictated like four emails and two OmniFocus tasks and, you know, bam, 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 right through drafts. And I push a couple buttons and it's all done. And and that's the thing you get with drafts. It like removes friction Mm -hmm. from ideas and words to get them out into the world. And I, uh, man, I just continue to love this app. He's currently at version 42, 42 <laughs> of the application. I mean, that's nuts. And uh, and he just continues to do good. If you want it to look a special way, you can make it look a special way. Um, I He covers all the Apple library. I, you know, we've, we did a whole show on draft, so I don't need to, like, go on. But just to wax poetic for a moment, um, it's an application that helps me get my work done without friction. And if it went away, I'd be very sad. That is a really good indicator of how important an app is to your workflow. Like if it goes away and you would be, you would have feelings about it. (laughs) I think that's a pretty good marker. Yeah. Check it out. Drafts. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with a a newcomer and uh, again, written by a friend of ours, but I think it's absolutely spectacular. And that is call sheet. Uh, So this is by our friend Casey Liss. 
And what Call Sheet is, is it's a IMDb replacement. It uses a different database called the Movie Database. But it's a replacement, and it's like an app that has all that information about movies and TV shows and actors. and But it's by someone who actually cares about the user experience. And I don't watch a ton of television or, or a ton of movies, but already in the, in, the, in the few months that this app has been out, it is already basically required that I have my phone with me if we're going to watch a movie. So when that question comes up, I'm like, oh, who, wh- what else is this person in? Or uh, there's a new feature now of like, how tall is this actor? <laughs> all, this, all this stuff in here. And Call Sheet makes it really easy. Casey does not charge enough for the subscription. I will say that publicly. He should charge more. But it is absolutely fantastic. And it, yeah, it's just, it, he's done such a good job with it. I'm so proud of him. And if you're a TV and movie person and you find yourself frustrated with the IMDb experience or you're just like Googling things or like looking at Wikipedia, Call Sheet brings all that data uh, under one roof. And it's just it's just so nice. Yeah, I mean the the difference between Callsheet and all its competitors is the competitors like IMDb, they're made by big companies. They're taking advantage of all of the, you know, internet internet advertising and marketing that you can get your hands on. And when you go there, that affects the experience. It's not as clean. And Callsheet is like, what if I could go to a website that just gave me the name of the actors in the movie? And didn't try to sell me popcorn at the same time. Yep. And that's what that's what he does. And uh, Casey knows what he's doing. I feel like this is the big winner for Casey. He's made several apps over the years. But to me, this is the one that, I mean, it's just so clear. And I haven't checked in with him. I hope he's making a version for Vision Pro because that's the other thing. I need call sheet now when I'm watching a movie in Vision Pro. So, uh, but hopefully he's doing that. I believe that he is. Yeah. I believe cool. he is. I'll cool. leave it but at that. It, <laughs> it's good. It's good. And um, yeah, and it's from a friend. So another app from a friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're fortunate enough to to get to know some of these people in our industry. And and I think the, I think Call Sheet is a good example. I want to highlight what you said. A lot of the apps that, that we tend to gravitate towards are made by sort of independent or small developers because they really care about all the little details. And when you have an app that's done by a big company, not that they don't have good engineers and and good designers, very often they do, but there's so much more tension in those applications and what, what they're supposed to do and what those companies want out of them. Where an indie developer, most of the time, in my experience, they want to solve a problem in the best possible way. And that's the sort of software that I want to use every day. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many ways to monetize an app, right? You can monetize it through advertising. You can monetize it through data collection, you know, Mm -hmm. getting information on what people watch. There's all sorts of ways to do it. I guess so long as they're honest with you, it's not necessarily bad. But uh, as a user, I prefer apps that are more simple. And that's my next app, and that is Food Noms, which I think is kind of the call sheet for food trackers in the sense that it's made by a single developer and if you want to track your food, you go in there and it doesn't try to sell you diet plans and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do all that weird stuff. Um, but it's got a great database 
you can take your phone and scan the barcode on any food you're eating, and it already probably has the data there, or you can add it if you need to. It remembers your meals. If you want to do a, a fasting, it tracks fasting time for you. It does everything I need. Um, I pay a yearly subscription for it, and I've been using it for a while, and it's a real tool that I'm using to try and you know reduce what I eat and eat better foods, and I, I really find that by forcing myself to go in and log everything I eat, that always helps. And Mm -hmm. I looked at all the apps and they all just had way too much baggage attached to them, except for food numbs. And turns out this one was made by a small indie developer and uh, just right on brand. I, I went right for it and uh, don't regret it a bit. Yeah. And food noms is one of those apps and in a category of apps like call sheet where there's a lot of data to deal with. Right. And I think both of them are good examples of apps that the developer has really worked on the design aspects to make all of that data digestible. It's not a joke on food noms, but I'll leave it. Um, You can kind of get a picture of what's going on pretty easily. And I've used other apps in this category. And some of them are like genuinely confusing in places of trying to understand what's going on. And so I really, I really give them credit for, for getting that right. All right, you got another one? I do. Uh, I'm going to take a left turn here. I want to talk about Facades by Michael Stieber. Uh, Stieber is a Apple historian uh, focusing on Apple retail. And Facades is an app that, that he put together, I believe it launched last year, that is basically a database of all the Apple stores. But you can do all this really cool stuff with it. Like you can track which stores you've been to and you can have like a wish list of like oh i would love to see the fifth avenue store you know the glass cube one day or i'd love to see the store uh you know in uh you know in london or someplace else maybe you're traveling and it's just really well put together and really fun um there's also just a lot of information in it so you can get the address, but you can also get the history of the store. So like when it opened, if it moved, what type of store it is. And it's a, you know, Michael's a single developer, but he has this thing running on the Mac, the iPad, the iPhone and Apple vision pro. And it, it's great on all of them. So admittedly, uh, maybe not as useful in your daily life as some of these others, but a true example of something that really brings joy to its work. And I think is, is a lot of fun. Yeah. That one pairs nicely. What's that other app that has an index of all Apple hardware ever? Uh, Mac tracker. Yeah. Mac tracker. I feel like facades and Mac tracker need to, to come together. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, you can run them side by side and yeah, they're, they're both great. It's um, I love people. I mean, obviously, right. Cause I am who I am. I love people yeah. who care, who pay attention to this stuff. It makes me feel better about my own obsession. And uh, and Michael's become a friend. He he helped me with some stuff in the current Apple history calendar. Like he's really fantastic. Another app for me that is like uniquely iPhone, and I know they make this for other platforms, but I just really use it on the iPhone. Is Parcel? Yes. And you know we talked about other shipping apps over the years, but Parcel was the first one that figured out how to automatically connect to your Amazon account. So if you buy stuff on Amazon, it auto populates, but they've also just made a lot of really nice changes to that app over the last few years. Like for instance, now it color codes the delivery to the delivery service. So if you Mm -hmm. have something coming from FedEx, it's blue. 
if it's UPS, it's kind of orange and, and um, just all the little features that you need are there. I will say that the Amazon connection thing seems to break pretty frequently. You've got to go in and renew it. And my guess would be that's Amazon probably turning them off. That's my guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but if you, you know, make orders and I, because I'm a shut in at this point in my life, I rarely go out. I, Daisy and I share a car. I don't even have a, you know, except we're getting on my bike. I, I don't really have a way to get out most days. So, <laughs> so I, I like to, to order things and, and mm-hmm. I like checking parcel and know when things are coming in and, it's not too expensive. It's well done. And it shows a continuing improvement, which tells me whoever is behind this app is is interested in making it better and not just going to collect money on it and leave it where it is. So uh, that's the one at this point, I think. I, I think it is too. And that's, that is the, that's the promise of subscription, right? Like that a developer will continue to work on the app. Um, parcel, I think I'm trying to look it up while I talk is like $3 a year. I use this app multiple times a week. Like again, one that I think is not charging enough, but it, it really is good. And like these others, it's on all the platforms. It syncs in the background. So like if you add something to your phone, which by the way, that the phone app also has a scanning ability. So like you could scan a barcode or it will OCR text. So like if you, so I do this, if I ship something, I track things that I ship out to other people sometimes. Like if I sell a camera or, you know, some, you know, I'm sending something to a coworker, I want to make sure it gets there. Okay. And I can just scan the receipt from FedEx or whatever, and it goes right in and it all syncs across all your platforms. Also on Apple vision pro, uh, which is pretty funny. Parcel's awesome. I switched to it years ago when it kind of first made the rounds and I've been, I've been very happy with it. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by ZocDoc. Find the right doctor right now with ZocDoc. Sign up for free at ZocDoc.com slash MPU. We all know there are things in life you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that doctor you don't feel really listens just because they're available right now or they take their insurance. This is where ZocDoc comes in. ZocDoc is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I'm a ZocDoc user, and I really like the service. I remember the days before I had ZocDoc, where I had all of the problems I've talked about in this ad, where I would find a doctor and then find out the last minute they didn't take the insurance, or I'd get left on hold until the phone just hung up, and then I'd have to call back and start the process all over again. And I always felt like finding new doctors was kind of a crapshoot. You never knew 
if you're going to get a good one or a bad one. And I feel like ZocDoc solves all those problems for you. It's just such a no-brainer. It's a free app. Go on there, find a good doctor in your area that takes your insurance and can see you today. What else do you need? Anybody looking for a doctor should be checking out ZocDoc, and you can do that at ZocDoc.com MPU and download the ZocDoc app for free, and then find and book top-rated doctors today. That's ZocDoc.com MPU, ZocDoc.com MPU, and our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Okay, David, I want to talk about one that has been around for a long time, but has kind of embedded itself in the way that I work uh, in a new way, and that is IA Writer. For a long time, I was using ByWord on my Mac to, to do my blogging. ByWord is excellent and does continue to still get updates, um, not as, as often as some of the others, but it's not dead uh, like I once thought maybe it was. But in the last six months or so, IA Writer has really clicked with me for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all is that it's available on all the platforms. So I know we're talking about the iPhone here. And so now I'm kind of working on a blog post. I can easily move to my Mac and my phone and my iPad. And uh, for instance, my Apple Vision Pro review, which we talked about on more power users last week. I wrote the bulk of that on my Mac. But I worked on it, I sat down and wrote for two days, but I was working on it for a week, right? And I could just open the iPhone app while doing other things and like thinking about something, oh, I want to talk about this or I have a thought on this. And it all syncs perfectly and really well. Uh, but one of my absolute favorite features uh, in IA Writer is its highlighting ability. So you can go in and there's settings and you can turn you know, turn things on and off in the editor but you can have it highlight all of your adjectives or all of your adverbs. And like you can go in and enable style checks. So like if you've written in a cliche or uh, a redundancy, so like maybe you've used the same word uh, twice in a sentence, it can highlight those things and bring them to your attention. Now, I still run my big blog posts through Grammarly to make sure I'm not making actual errors, but Th- these features in IA Writer kind of give me a different lens into something I'm working on, and I've really come to like it. And it's like I said, it's been around a long time. I've flirted with it on and off over the years, but it's really kind of sunk its teeth into me in a new way sometime last year, and I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, I talked earlier about drafts and how much I love drafts, but I'm with you. I use IA Writer too. If we had done a show on favorite iPad apps, this would have been on my list because. Yeah. I find writing on it, in fact, I have a whole bit I do on, I have a clicky Bluetooth keyboard. I turn on IA writer, basically lock my iPad. I call it my digital typewriter. And I find it a great way to write. Um, and, you know, the, the app is super minimal, but the, the grammar tools built in are very good. And it catches things Grammarly doesn't, but Grammarly touches things it doesn't. So it's just a like having one more proofreader at your back. And, you know, I I just really kind of resonate with the company and the way they make apps and how they make them minimal, but they don't make them useless. Like they add features that make sense. Mm -hmm. And and I would tack onto that IA presenter. Have you ever played with that app? I have, I have 
played with it. I've never used it sort yeah, of some, in the real world. <laughs> someday we're going to do another show on present presentation software. And that app is going to get a segment because like I'm right now doing the, the uh, productivity field guide webinar series. We've mm-hmm. now done seven. There's like five more. This is, this is going crazy, but, but I'm doing all the uh, slides in it with IA presenter and it's just looking great. And you make a markdown outline, but that, we're not talking about that today. I'm sorry. I got off track, but the, I just really like the company and uh, I'm totally with you on this one. Yeah. They made their own series of typefaces. Like that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. They're not messing around over there. Mm -mm. Okay. Uh, Another one for me that, uh, that I like, we're kind of on a productivity role here uh, is is timery. And I think that one deserves mention as well. I'm a big fan of time tracking. We've done a show on it. And I've gone back and forth on different time tracking apps, but you know, because of its its use with automation tools, Timery really just is such a great front end, um, and it does it really just does the job. And, and this is another one with a small developer who's constantly updating it. And you know that one that one is like if you swipe to the left on my iPhone, I've got certain widgets that are always there. You know, mm-hmm. calendar, weather, and Timery is one of them as well because I just want to be able to get into that data anytime. It's excellent. I've run it basically all day, every day at work. You know, I've, I've been pretty serious about time tracking for a couple of years. My MPU timer right now is coming up on an hour because we had a call and I recorded my ads and did some admin work before we sat down to record. And at the end of the week or a month or a quarter, whatever I need to do, I can go and look at the reports. It helps me make decisions in my business. It is uh, indispensable for me. What's the biggest insight you've got from time tracking now that you've been doing it a couple of years? Um, gosh, I think for, for me, the, the biggest thing was like how much time I was spending editing connected. And that's kind of recent. Cause I recently gave that over to Jim, but yeah. that was a decision that was made out of that data. Like, okay, I spend this much time here and does that still make sense? Yeah. Uh, for me, it was really learning how little time I spend in what I call manager mode. You know, I'm the guy who makes field guides about OmniFocus and stuff. And you would think I spend the whole day arranging my Titanic deck chairs, but, mm-hmm. and I, and I thought I was, but when I started time tracking, I realized actually I don't spend much time doing that stuff, but that's because I figured it out. Right. Yeah. Um, but that was really insightful for me. And and the other thing that I got out of it, you know, is just like recently I was looking over the weekend. Um, my daughter is, who's been out of town is visiting over the weekend. We spend a ton of time together and like, I don't feel guilty about family time because I look at the numbers and I, I spend a lot of time with my family, you know, that's my hobby, you know? And, um, huh. and the, uh, so that's cool. You know, I don't know. Time tracking, I find reassuring more than illuminating sometimes. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Uh, my turn. Actually, I just went, didn't I? You did just go. Yeah. Take another, though. Take another one. Okay. You want to give me another one? I'll take yeah. another one. Uh, Chat GPT on the iPhone yeah. is pretty good. You know, um, we're going to do more content on the show on artificial intelligence because it's emerging and now it's getting really interesting. Uh, you know, you can have Chat GPT diagrams for you. You can do all sorts of stuff. And I've been like digging in on it in the Max Barkey labs. And I plan to do even more with that. I think it's becoming a productivity tool. And this is my big take on chat GPT and AI in general is 
as users, we should not be afraid of it, but we should not look at it as, you know, the Messiah either. We just need to figure out ways to use it to be productive. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a big announcement coming from Apple in June. I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, but, you know, Wall Street is taking notice that Apple hasn't really done much with AI and and they've been buying up AI companies like crazy. And I think Apple's going to do an AI thing that's going to be private, which is going to be their distinction, right? Uh, you're not going to be sending your data to somebody's cloud. It'll be done on your device. And I think this year we're going to learn a lot more about it and it's going to become an even more useful tool. But in the meantime, I've been using ChatGPT to solve problems. And, you know, it's not, like I said, I don't use it every day, but I use it often. And I think the iPhone app is pretty well done. Yeah, I think it is too. On episode 490 of Connected, which came out a couple of days before this episode, we actually spent a lot of time looking through what Apple has already done in the AI field. Like they've released some models, a lot of research. Like, yeah, even though we don't know what the, product is very clearly things are happening and so go check out that episode but yes i suspect that we'll be talking a lot about that later this year do you have any hopes and dreams for what apple's going to do with it you know one of the reports is that siri will become more integrated with things like shortcuts so you could ask siri you know hey take these five pictures that i have open on my screen and uh, put them together in a slideshow or yeah rotate them all horizontally and put them at an email. And you can do a lot of that stuff with shortcuts now, but you got to, first of all, you got to know how shortcuts works, which is not a given. And you got to like build something and they're, they're not really ephemeral, right? It's, you're not going to spend time building a shortcut for something you're going to do one or two times. And if they can enable Siri to do things like that kind of off the cuff, it'd be huge. I think, I think that's what's most interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. I I think the big call for it is Siri. Like Siri just needs to get way smarter, way better, way faster. And AI is a clear path for that. Mm -hmm. And if it's done on device, I mean, just look how much better dictation got when they added the transformer model. Oh, I know. What's what's next? So I I hope that that happens. I would also like to see um, productivity themed AI, you know, that does a better job of calendaring appointments for you, managing tasks, all that stuff. I think that would be interesting. And um, we'll see. In the meantime, if you want to get a peek at this stuff, I think ChatGPT is one of the best publicly available models. And um, and I just, I do find uses for it. It's, you know, a lot of the stuff I do yeah. is AI these days. Now, field guides I release now are in 10 different languages because of AI. You know, and I'm hearing from people all over the world that can finally, like, understand what the heck I'm saying. Whoa, what are you using for that? It's a, a Teachable, my um, platform, does mm-hmm. it automatically. Okay. And the, I picked the 10 languages. I looked at the customer base and picked the 10 from there. Um, Pig Latin wasn't available, by the ah. way. But, the, um, <laughs> uh, but no, it does, uh, it, does a, um, it automatically transcribes everything. Like I got an email recently from um, a customer whose girlfriend is Spanish, and she doesn't speak English, and she, um, he's been watching the Productivity Field Guy with her so she can read it. And like stuff like that. That's really cool. The only downside is it doesn't have an editable dictionary. So every time I say Max Sparky, it it writes out M A X B A R K E Y. Max Sparky. <laughs> Maximum Sparky. <laughs> B with a B. Maximum Barky. Maximum so, Barky. It's like a loud so if dog. If I ever get another dog, that's going to be the name. Max. It's really Sparky. good. Um, yeah. 
You've also spent some time playing with Copilot, though, right? Yeah, I just started playing with that. That's on the apps I'm trying. Um, and Microsoft is, they've got money into ChatGPT. So this is using ChatGPT under the hood. But I think it's a little more user-friendly. I'm early days on it. I'm going to be doing uh, Max Berkey Labs work on this. I want to I want to dig in on this. But it looks to me like really something interesting. And maybe a model for what Apple should be doing. I hope Apple is as enthusiastic about AI when they get to it as Microsoft is. Um, but yeah, I actually, Microsoft Copilot is very interesting. I mm-hmm. just downloaded it a week ago. I don't really want to endorse it just yet. I need to test it more, but so far I've been really impressed with it. Perfect. Yeah. And I don't use the Microsoft apps. Like I feel like if you get into the Microsoft apps ecosystem, then it, it gets oh, even yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. That's where it's like looking at your team's conversations and your documents and, and doing things for you. And I think Apple could do that too. But yeah, now we're just on a, on tangent. <laughs> you know, you know what we should do for the show if we, we get around to this is we should go ahead and buy um a couple months of the AI in Notion as well. Because yep. we're working in Notion. You can have Notion like give it an AI instruction to draft an outline or something. And mm-hmm. I think we should we'll do a show on this gang. I'm writing it down right now. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with I want to talk about weather apps. That's what I want to go because you and I have different ones on here. Uh, yeah. mine is the perennial favorite carrot weather continues to be awesome in terms of not only the type of data you can get out of it, which is really important to me in terms of customizing my alerts, using different weather sources even, but also in terms of customization of user interface carrot weather, I think really continues to be the best example that I found of an app that lets you kind of build your own interface within it. It's a, my carrot weather can look different from yours, from somebody else's, because we prioritize different things. Um, but I know you and a lot of other people have also given Apple's weather app, which got a big update last year. Uh, you've also given that a spin. So I'd love to know how that's going. Yeah. So this is I, the reason I put this on here is because it was a switch for me. I had been using carrot weather for, I don't know, as long as it had been around. And this is another app. I love the story behind it. Like, I think he was an English major and he taught himself to code and he made all these funny things that Carrot Weather says. And um, he's so far ahead of the curve on UI design. Like the Carrot Weather developer has done some heroic work as a small time developer. So I want to support that. But then when we did the Apple Weather app, I just realized I just don't need all that stuff in carrot weather. And like I live in Southern California where our weather historically has been pretty mild and like, I need to know when it's going to rain and stuff. But you know, I started using the Apple weather app during the beta and I never went back to carrot weather and it wasn't really a conscious decision so much as you know, usually it's like, I can't wait to go back to carrot weather after the beta season ends, but I just never got around to it. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think they've done a really good job with it. And it's on the iPad now. <laughs> I remember for a long time, there was no weather yeah. app on the iPad from Apple. I think Apple's is beautiful. And I mean, from the very beginning, well, not from the very beginning, I guess from iOS 7, maybe, when they added like, oh, if it's raining, like it rains in the app. And if it's snowing, the snow piles up on the top of yeah. the user. Like lots of little touches. And of course, they bought Dark Sky, Dark Sky became Apple Weather Kit, which third-party developers can use. I know it's an option in 
Carrot Weather amongst a bunch of other sources. Other apps like Widgetsmith underscore uses WeatherKit to power the weather widgets uh, there. And so they've taken Dark Sky and turned it into their own weather app. Like the radar in Apple Weather looks just like the radar did in Dark Sky. But they've also enabled a service for developers to use. And that to me is almost more impressive than the the turnaround the Apple Weather app has had because a lot of weather APIs are, they all cost money, right? This data is expensive and there's a lot of it out there. But a lot of big weather apps do some weird things around privacy and security. Look, they have your location all the time. And some of the big ones over the years have been caught doing things in their advertising or with that data. And I don't, that was never an issue in carrot weather, but Apple with WeatherKit has kind of made the statement of like, you don't have to do all that stuff. And it's allowed developers to bring weather data into their apps in a, in a way that those developers feel comfortable with. So I love Apple's story around weather data. And I know WeatherKit is not the most reliable, most accurate source everywhere in the world. No source is. They're all going to be different depending on where you live. But I think Apple's done a really good job of this. And I'm glad the weather app is good because that's what most people use. You know, I want more. And in my part of the country, it's important to have more. But um, Apple's come such a long way. Uh, I really think that team is doing great work. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe someday I'll go back to Carrot Weather. I don't know. It is very whimsical and fun. And I have such a soft spot for small developers that it's like there's part of me that feels guilty not using his app. But the truth is, the Apple Weather app's good enough for me. Like, it's raining today as we're recording. And, like, just a few minutes before we start recording, it had stopped raining. It said it's going to start raining in 10 minutes. And I'm looking out the window and it's raining. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it does the weather stuff that I need. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was weather apps. Let's take a minute and talk about a, a couple of music apps that you have on your list. Okay. I, uh, I really like making music, so I have some music-specific apps that I like. Uh, I'm gonna. You want me to just go through them? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> okay, I, I've got. I'm gonna start with GarageBand because I love GarageBand on the iPhone. It, like it, it, like I use it more on the iPhone than any other platform. I love that. Like I'm sitting somewhere and I'll open up GarageBand and start tapping out a song on the piano. I like to play songs that are like inappropriate for the moment. You know, because I can kind of like tap pretty much anything out. You know, once I find if I if I get the right note, if I hear it in my head, I can usually tap it out. And I think it's fun to do that. And you can do that on your iPhone. I'm sure there are simpler piano apps, but GarageBand is just killer for like goofing off with it and like just making music anywhere. I love that. And that's cool. But I also, uh, you know, play the piano and the saxophone. And I've got a couple apps that that work for me on that. The first one particularly for saxophone is an app called te tuner okay and this there's a bunch of apps like this this is just happens to be the one that i i latched onto at first it is a tuner app that also has a metronome in so if i play an a flat i can look down at it and it gives me a tuning scale to see how much i am in tune the thing people don't realize about the saxophone is that the instrument is out of tune on every note. Like when you play the piano, when you play a C, it's the right pitch. You know, that's why a piano tuner comes in and makes it 
Every time you play a note on the piano, it's in tune. If you watch a professional saxophone player, next time you see one, you know, um, watch their bottom lip while they play, and it is constantly in motion because they are adjusting the pressure and the embouchure and everything to change the pitch of each note. Like when you play middle D, you know, it's one it's one pitch, you got to lower it, and then you pay, you know, middle, you know, lower A, you got a different pitch. So you, there really is no like magic way to make every tune in every note in tune, except to use your mouth. Well, the way you learn about that is with the tuner. So you play and you say, Oh, every time I hit that a, it's a little sharp. I need to like, remember to drop my jaw when I play that note Hmm. and you eventually get better at it. But, but when I was a kid learning to play saxophone, that was actually really quite difficult because tuners are really expensive. And like, you'd sit down, you'd sit next to a piano player. Or when I was a kid, we had a piano in the house. I'd, hit the piano key and then I would play the sax and try and match it and just train my lips to, to go to the right pitch. And then um, I always had a problem with my A being flat and, um, and I was in all these honor bands. They're like, how come your A is always flat? Then we found out that our piano was out of tune and I had trained myself <laughs> on a flat A, you know? So, but so now like you just buy a $5 app and it does it. So TE tuner does that. It also has a metronome in it. And anytime you're trying to learn music, especially if you like jazz, you need like a sense of time. And that tick, tick, tick of a metronome really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, the other app that I use, which is kind of on the theme of a metronome, is called Drum Genius. And it has the scariest icon of any app on my phone. <laughs> I, I saw know. that when I was it? putting links in. I was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but this guy, I don't know who may, I think this is a small developer too, but it's a drum machine app. And it's got drum beats in every potential rhythm. You want seven eight, you want five four, you want four four, you want a swing beat, you want a rock beat. Uh, what's Taylor Swift say? She like if you want a sick beat, you get a sick beat with this app. So, yeah, I like to play. You know, playing along with a metronome is fine. You know, tick tick, so it's right on time. It keeps you on time. But why not play with a drummer? You know, mm-hmm. and um, you get the same benefit. So I I use um, Drum Genius all the time and. It's like, I think it's a free app and then you pay for additional beats. I, at some point I just was feeling, you know, um, uh, flush with cash and I just paid like the 20 bucks and I got all the drum beats and I, I use that app like almost daily when I practice. I love the drum genius. Very irrelevant. There's, for the two saxophone players or musicians in the audience, drum genius is worth it. Hey, no, I think it's cool to know what's out there. And yeah. I mean, the iPhone and the iPad turn into anything you need them to be, right? This is a good example of it. Well, there's other music apps, but they're all on the iPad. So that'll be for another story for another day. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by NetSuite. If you have a business, you might be able to relate to this. Things get to a certain size and cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are suddenly taking a week. You have too many manual processes and you don't have one source of truth. Is never a good feeling when everything in your business is disjointed. Too many processes in too many places. You want clarity. You want one place where all the important stuff happens. The solution to untangling that disjointed feeling is NetSuite. It's a software company that has developed a cloud-based business management platform to help your team deal with key business processes like enterprise resource planning and financials, CRM, e-commerce, inventory, and more. I know when we have too many manual processes running around at work, it feels harder than it should be to get the work done. And if you want to make sure cracks don't emerge in your business, there are three numbers to know. 36,000, 
25, and 1. Okay, so what do those numbers mean? Well, 36,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. That makes NetSuite the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. And 25 because NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down cost. And one because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you can manage risks, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Having all the information you need in one place makes it so much easier to make decisions. I know as a business owner what a difference that can make and how much easier everything operates when information is available. It really does mean that smart decisions can be made faster. So go check out NetSuite's popular KPI checklist. It's designed to give you consistently excellent performance, and it's absolutely free. Just go to netsuite.com MPU. That's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E. netsuite.com MPU to get your own KPI checklist to make sure your business is one that continues to thrive. Our thanks to NetSuite for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right, Stephen, give us another one. Okay, um, I'm going to mention one that is, is has been on my mind because of Apple Vision Pro, but I, I love it on my iPhone so much, and that is uh, Noir, N-O-I-R. It is an app slash Safari plugin that will basically enforce or impose a dark mode on a website that doesn't have one. And I run my iPhone in dark mode all the time. I don't do that on any other device but my phone. I, I don't know why. I just do. It's what it's, it works for my brain. Sure. And you'd be surprised in the year of our Lord, 2024, how many websites don't have a dark mode, including the very podcast network that you're listening to. It's on my list. I know. Ixnay. Yeah. But... It's really jarring if you're used to dark mode and you hit a, a website that's all white in the background. And it has a lot of customization. So some websites, it just doesn't do a very good job of. Or some sites uh, have a dark mode, but maybe you don't like it and you want to use one through this plugin, through this app. Um, so I've used, I've run it for a long time. It's on the Apple Vision Pro. It's on Vision OS, which is a, a bonus. But I use it, I mean, I use it every time I use Safari on my phone because you run into sites all the time that don't have a dark mode. And it's it's really great. Uh, and what's really cool about it and what I think is is kind of special about it is that, of course, it does sync and everything, right? Um, but if you have an issue with a website, you can go in and like really fine tune it and really dial it in and all those changes uh, get synced across iCloud. So say that, you know, there's, there's a news website you read and the dark mode that it has is bad or what Noir does to it is kind of weird. There's a bunch of dark mode themes you can choose from and all that gets saved. So if you use dark mode everywhere, you're really, you're kind of benefiting from your work and it's three bucks and it's a one-time purchase, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Good one. Uh, I've got one here. 
um, that's a utility app that I just really wanted to point out. I think people using iOS devices, you need a font management tool if you're going to use iPhone and iPad because Apple's made it a lot easier to load third-party fonts and use them on your devices, but you've got to have a tool really to manage it. And font case, I don't know when I first bought it. It's been around forever. Um, uh, but I just, every time I need to manage a font, I go to font case. It does the job, very good application for it. And, um, there's not a whole lot more to say than that, but you know, I, I like my Futura. I, I've got my Mike Rody font. I've got several fonts in there that I want to use on my devices. And if you've ever been tempted to add your own fonts to your devices, all you need to do is go on the app store, download font case and you're good. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I have not done a lot of custom font stuff on my devices, but font case is the way to do it. Um, I think it's, it's, it's just so wild. Like think of how far these devices have come Yeah, in the beginning, like talking about font management on iPhone, like 15 years ago, it's bananas, but here, here we are. And, um, and it will, you can import fonts from iCloud or Dropbox. So like I actually have a Dropbox folder of my sort of, sort of the fonts that I want on my Mac if I set it yeah. up from scratch, right? Some for work, just other typefaces that I like to use. And Fontcase can just import all those off of Dropbox. And that that's great because it means you're not having to like jump through hoops to get those files onto your device. Yeah, with the productivity field guide, this that was a weird one in that it had a book too. When you bought it, you got a book. And I wrote it in Obsidian, but then I moved it at the end to Pages to do all the formatting and the EPUB publication. And I wanted to edit it on iPhone and iPad, but it had a bunch of custom fonts in it. But, you know, just load up font case, put the fonts in, you're good to go. Okay, we each have a couple of apps here kind of in the uh, in the vein of utilities to mark up screenshots. This is something that we both do for work a fair amount. And Apple's built-in annotation tools while pretty good, definitely aren't complete. Um, and one that I absolutely love on the iPhone, and it it's just it's a photo plugin, so you can use it within that sort of editing environment. Is annotatable and annotable. I don't know. Now, now you sound like me at the beginning of the show. A n n o t a b l e. And notable. There we go. Yeah, you actually jacked my pick here because I had this on my list. Oh, did you? And I I'm showed sorry. up. I showed up and it was on your list. I'm okay. like, how did that happen? Sorry, Let's sorry about that. Um, yeah, but it's awesome because it has a, it basically supercharges what apples can do, and so yeah. uh, it has more highlighting. It has zoom with like a loop feature. You can spotlight things, and it has the one that I use it most often for. Honestly, is to obscure text. So if I need to send a screenshot of my home screen, for instance but I don't want my kid's school pickup on the calendar for the world to see. I can just drag a little square over it and it pixelates it where it can't be read. Um, yeah. This has been on my phone so long. I don't, I don't even know the first time I installed it. It has been around uh, a while, but it is, it is really great. Yeah. Add my vote to the bin there. I agree. This is the one like really, if you just want to be able to annotate your images easier, I think this is the one you get. Mm-hmm. You've also got Elswin on your phone apps, which is interesting because I only use that app on my Mac. Yeah, I've got it everywhere. Uh, this is made by some friends of ours in the Relay Discord, and uh, it is a 
uh, an app that does really two things. Uh, you can use it as a time zone converter, and then you can export out of it or copy out of it a list of time zones. So like say you're setting up a call with people from um, multiple time zones. You can just have like a little list of like, okay, 1 p.m. Eastern, you know, uh, noon Central, 10 a.m. Pacific. If you do multiple countries, you can have like the flags in there, which is a lot of fun. But the other thing it does is it creates custom time codes to put into Discord. So Discord has this feature where if you know the right incantation of text, it will put the time in the in the, the person who's reading it, their local time zone. So you can set the time in Elswin, copy the code, paste it in a Discord message, and it would say 12 noon central when I'm reading it. But when you're reading it, David, it would say 10 a.m. Pacific. and I have it on my phone and Mac because I use it both places. And I mean, I deal with a lot of time zone stuff and it has really become super useful for me, not only when planning things, but also announcing them to our members in Discord. Yeah, in the Max Market Labs, we do a lot of meetups. We do Zoom calls and everybody kind of joins in. But I noticed like Australians were showing up and it was like 3 a.m. their time. And I said, okay, we got to start rescheduling these things at a more (laughs) variety of times. So now when we do them, we go out and it has a list of all the various times and I try to like move it around more. But but Elswin is like, it just solves the problem. If you ever schedule meetings with people in multiple time zones, this is a no-brainer. Um, I For me, it's in the menu bar on the Mac and I just go up, click, you know, yep. copy and it gives me a list of all, it even puts the flags in and it makes you look real clever and it takes almost zero time. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, one that's, uh, on my list, it's a little, um, a bit of an outlier from, from everything else is dark noise. We actually have talked about that uh, quite a bit on the show, but dark noise remains the white noise app of choice. Uh, as someone who has tinnitus, I am, I've got background noise almost all the time and dark noise is the one and really is for me an iPhone app. Like I feed it to my HomePod speakers from my iPhone. I put it into my, you know, AirPods from my iPhone, but I primarily use the app on iPhone and um, it just continues to be the choice. I mean, for so long, those white noise apps were just all terrible. They like, they looked ugly. They didn't sound good. Charlie does such a good job on this, you know, no surprise. Another small developer who really cares about what he makes and, if you're if you need a white noise app, look no further than dark noise. I opened it uh, to get the link, and the second review, like the featured review, is I heard about this app on the Mac Power Users podcast. <laughs> nice, <laughs> that's nice. cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, I agree. I, this is one that I have on all of my devices, but I think of it and use it primarily on the iPhone. It it syncs all your stuff. You can do custom sounds. So I have brown noise and I think rain mixed together. That's like my jam especially in the evenings like and it is um it's great it's it's really well thought out with timers and all sorts of stuff he's he's really killed it thunderstorm for the win yeah i, I thought about not including it because we've talked about it so much but i use it so often yep. and the show's called our favorite iphone app yeah so, <laughs> yeah you know that's how it goes um another one for me that i, I know we have talked about before but really is just just really good at what it does is flighty. If you travel a lot, uh, flighty is the flight tracker for the iPhone where you can 
plug in your flights and get notifications. It has really, really good, maybe, honestly, maybe the best I've seen live activity and dynamic island support. So you can see your flight, you can see your gate, like all of that just available to you from your lock screen or the dynamic island on your phone. But another feature that I really like is the friends feature. So you can become friends with somebody on flight. It's all private. You know, you don't have like a public profile where you're sharing your flights. But if Mike Hurley adds a flight to his flighty, I can see it. And then I can decide if I want notifications about his flight or not. And normally I just turn on when he's leaving and when he's going to land. Or I don't need a live activity for when Mike is flying from London somewhere. But I like to know when he gets to where he's going. Um, very often he's traveling for work or at the very least like, okay, you know, we, I may need something from him or someone else may need something from him. And it's good to know when he's in the air and flighty makes all that really easy. You know, we used to like text each other flight links and you have to like look it up somewhere and, and flighty just makes all of it seamless. Um, and on top of all of that, it's beautifully designed. It's one of those apps that has no business looking as cool as it does, but the polish level is just out of this world. You know, so the reason I've always been hesitant on this app is I don't travel enough. So it's like, it's not worth it. It's, it's quite expensive, right? I, I'm, I just downloaded it. It looks like it's $3.99 per week for uh, trips. And I guess, do you just do you just buy it when you're flying or do you have like a permanent subscription? To I think it? I've got a year subscription. I forget what I do. I'd have to look it up. But yeah, they do have short ones. So if you just want it for like, okay, we're going to, you know, London and back this summer for the 10th anniversary trip, you could pay for it just for that month or whatever. So they do have some options for that. I think I've got the annual subscription though. Yeah. This year for a variety of reasons, I'm taking, I'm on an airplane like five times in the yeah. first six months. So maybe this is the year, but I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. It is pricey. I will give it that. Um, but if you need this sort of thing it's by far the best out there yeah well i think if you travel a lot it's a no-brainer mm-hmm. but if you're like me and a shut-in do you, you know. <laughs> but but I, i'll be done traveling by like july yeah after our relay thing but i don't know i look i downloaded it i because all you guys talk about how much you love it and i've just never used it i got one that relates to my dog okay so my dog's a runner as as they say um uh, she doesn't really go far, but sometimes she'll shoot out the front door if you're not careful. She she wants to go play, you know. And um, the problem is where I live, if she's out for like an hour, there's a good chance something else might eat her. It's sure. not just getting run over by a car. So we're very careful about not letting her out, but I'm always worried she is. And the other thing is because I've got all these trips planned. The um, we're going to be leaving her with my mother-in-law, and, and you know, and she's going to be some other places where she might get nervous and run off too. Um, so I looked carefully last month at options for dog tracking, like the AirPod or the AirTag is an option. You know, they sell special collars for it, but it didn't seem like it was really the thing. And um, and I had bought years ago the Fi collar Fi, mm-hmm. and I got a good deal on it because it when they first opened it up and they, they gave me a renewal offer. So I went ahead and renewed it and, and the collars have gotten a lot smaller, but this is a custom made collar for a dog that basically has a cellular radio in it, but it's very tiny. And so you get like per minute tracking on the dog. 
you also get like step count and like rankings and all sorts of weird stuff. But if you've got a, a cat or a dog that you're concerned about keeping track of, or they might be a flight risk, um, it's not cheap. I think if you pay retail, I think it's like $5 a month, but I got it less than that. Uh, but it, it's really nice. I mean, it's a, it's a collar that you, you basically got a GPS tracker on your animal. Yeah. And, um, and I just renewed for another year. So I'm in, uh, and, uh, I'm not, I don't regret it with all the travel and everything. I just, I feel like I'd feel terrible if something happened to her. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember when you checked this out, I think we spoke about it on a more power users at some point, but yeah. it, yeah, I mean, this is one of those areas where, like technology can make a real difference <laughs> in the life of a family. Right. Yeah. Um, if, if our dog was a runner, she's not. Um, but if she was, I would, I would 100% be on board with this. Like this would be what I would do given your experience with it. Yeah. There's just a lot of wildlife around here and yeah, my dog isn't that big, you know, so. yeah. tasty little morsel, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by indeed join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide using indeed to hire great talent fast. Just go to indeed.com slash MPU. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. There's so many elements to hiring the right people, but it really starts with getting people with the right skills. Once you find the right skills, then you get the right person, and then you have a successful hire. Well, Indeed completely solves the first half of that equation. You get candidates matched to you that give you exactly what you need, and that's why so many people use Indeed to hire. It removes so much friction to getting the right people. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. So join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the Mac Power Users will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MPU. Just go to INDEED.com slash MPU right now and support our show by saying you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. That URL one last time, indeed.com slash MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Do you need to hire? You need Indeed. And our thanks to Indeed for the support of the Mac Power Users and all of Relay FM. Okay, we're in the home stretch now. Um, and I want to talk about what may be what may be the most used app on my phone in terms of time that it's running. Not necessarily time okay. that I'm interacting with it, but time that it's doing its thing. Uh, and that's Overcast. You know, the the podcast player that's been out for a long time. Uh, I think it's like 10 years old now. But it continues to be my podcast player for choice exclusively on my phone. Like, I have it installed on my iPad and on my Mac. 
I don't really only listen to podcasts on my phone. And I continue to use Overcast for two main reasons. First of all, it's really fast to fetch new episodes. And when you run a podcast network, you care about that sort of thing. A lot of other podcast apps take a long time to see changes in a feed. Overcast is really, really fast. Um, but secondly, it's it sounds the best. Uh, a lot of apps have features like Overcast where they can remove silence or equalize the volume across shows. And, you know, I have basically every podcast app for iOS installed on my phone. I check them all out. I want to make sure all our stuff is working correctly in all of them. But Overcast, I can tell you, as someone who's tried them all, sounds the most natural in the effects that Marco applies. Um, and I listen to it with smart speed and voice boost, what he calls those features, uh, both on. And it makes every show sound good. Not every show sounds as good as our shows do, right? And it brings everything up to that level. And I said there were two reasons, but really there's a third. Marco really cares. You know, I think I really think that's a theme of this episode is that we like apps by people who it's clear they care about what they're doing. And Marco is extremely passionate about the open podcasting ecosystem of which we are a part. And that just means RSS feeds, right? Uh, and you look, if you listen to our show wherever, like I'm just happy you're listening. But for me personally, I think it's important that podcasting remain open. And Marco and Overcast have really been a bright spot um, sort of in that school of thought and continues to to, to be. And I know he's in, he's talked about this. He's in the midst of a big rewrite. Look, the interface is stale and kind of busted in places sometimes. But he has talked a lot about working on that. And what I have seen of it, uh, I'm very impressed. And so I, I think at some point in the future, it will get the visual overhaul that it needs. But again, I'm not in it very often, right? I'm going in, I'm picking a show off a playlist and hitting play. And then I'm putting my phone in my pocket and putting AirPods in. And for that use case, there's nothing better. Yeah, and under the hood, it's really stable. Like I used uh, the Apple podcast app through the betas. And mm -hmm. for some reason, it was putting the wrong artwork on podcasts. Oh, no. <laughs> like like the Max Sparky Labs, like there's one with the wood background and the logo. It was like putting that on top of completely unrelated podcasts. And like it's like, come on, guys, just get the artwork right. And like I was so happy to go back to to Overcast. I've got an add-on for that one. Okay. There's a there's an MPU listener who who made an app. It's another single developer called Pod Highlighter, and it's a it's a kind of a weird. It's a web service, and I think it's like eight bucks a month, or it gets cheaper if you buy a bunch of them. But it's not you know it's not inexpensive, but it works with Overcast. I made a video on it for the Max Berkey Labs. I'm going to put it in the show notes here so anybody can watch it. But the idea of it is you download a shortcut and then he's got a backend web service. And so if you're listening to anything in Overcast and it only works with Overcast and you hear somebody say something on a podcast that you're interested in, you just hold down the Siri button and say, highlight this or highlight. And then it grabs like the 30 seconds of audio it transcribes it, it does an AI summary of it, and it emails it to you. Whoa. And it can also add it to Readwise and do some other stuff. But the the little – so, like, I'm always listening to podcasting. Oh, that's a really good idea, but I'm driving or something. But with this, I just say highlight, and then I get the summary of it. And um, if, you, if you're someone who listens to podcasts and get good ideas from podcasts and you want to hold on to those, this is a great little service. 
Yeah, I am uh, saving this link to check out after the show. This sounds awesome. Yeah, and it's made by one of us. You know, yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I know Overguys has a feature, and uh, I inspired it, so I'll, I'll take credit for it. Where you can export like a video clip for social media of like thirty seconds of a show or whatever. But yeah. tools like that, or like Pod Highlighter, like you know, discovery is a problem in podcasts. Sharing is a problem in podcasts, and so I'm all about people building utilities uh to make that simpler yeah and this really i don't think is about sharing so much as it's just like a, a service for you like yeah, yeah. you hear somebody say something you're like i want to try that as an experiment but you you know you're going to forget when you get to your destination yeah but you but you could use that to share if you wanted to i think yeah 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 well, yeah you could share it for sure that's cool um, there's one app you know i think this is one of my favorite apps as a uh, I have a slight green thumb. I like to play in the garden. I have a couple bonsai tree and, and Southern California is a weird climate. We have a lot of heat, not a lot of water. And I'm always looking for plants that do well in our climate. And, you know, one of my favorite places to look for them is Disneyland because they have really good gardeners. And, but you know, you see all these plants, you're like, that looks really nice. Maybe I should try one of those at the house, but you don't know what it is. And I found this app called picture this, and it's a plant identifier. And it's expensive. I think I pay like 20 bucks a year for the, for the subscription, you know, listen to me, 20 bucks a year. Remember when, you know, apps were like 300. Then yeah. It won that uh, long but, ago. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, you point it at any plant and it tells you what it is. It gives you a description of what type of plant it is, how it does and what conditions. And I use this thing all the time. And I have like a list of plants that I think I want to try for the house or, if I, you know, I'll check one out and, and I'll look at the conditions of its survival and say, well, that's not going to do well where I'm at. We have too much acid in the soil or, you know, so it's just, it really is really helpful if you like to garden. And, um, you know, there's been apps like this all the time that identify birds or plants or trees, but, mm -hmm. um, this one is the best I've seen at it. Um, I, I pay the subscription happily and I use it all the time and it just brings me joy that I have in addition to a phone and a media player and a, and a tuner and a metronome, I also have a plant identifier in my pocket. Yeah. I know that's something that was added to the, the photos feature in iOS at some point. And I have looked at this app. I think my wife has it installed on her phone. This is a lot more robust than what Apple's has. Um, yeah. Like a lot of these examples, a lot of the apps we've talked about today, there are built-in alternatives, but very often we've talked about this a hundred times on the show. Apple's building apps for the 90% of people and picture this as an example of if you want more than what Apple provides. And this is, this is the way to go. The other thing is I make myself look way smarter than I am to my sister. I know she doesn't listen to the show, so I can admit this. She's always <laughs> sending me pictures of plants saying like, Oh, I think I'm going to put this, you know, this rose in my yard and I'll send her, that's not a rose. And then I'll tell her what it is. I or, love it. You know, you know, I just like, <laughs> cause you can just feed it any image. You don't have to take the picture. You know, yeah. you can just feed it any image. So, so my sister thinks I really am, am a, you know, encyclopedic knowledge of plants. Incredible. Yeah. Okay. I got one more before we go to our follow-up questions and it's an app that's really grown on me. It's called short form. Um, they have sponsored my newsletter on occasion. So read me as a shill if you want, but the, um, but there's a whole bunch of book summary services and that's a whole thing, right? For people who read books, it's like some people are really against the idea of a book summary service. 
but I like them because it gives me an idea to audition nonfiction books just to say, well, what's the big point of this book? But the problem is most of them in my mind are too short, uh, but short form um, does a, an extended version. It's like, you know, it, they'll, they have an audio version. They'll read it to you. It's about 15 minutes. You know, it takes you, you know, half hour, 15 minutes to kind of digest their, their short version of a book. But I find it a really good way for me to decide which books I'm going to read. And I'm in it like many times a week. And it we're, really works on the phone. You know, you subscribe to the service and they get new books every week. And I like to sit there and read them. And uh, so I, I read you know, three or four short form nonfiction books a week, but I'll read maybe one or two actual nonfiction books a month. Got it. And a lot of times I'll go through the short form version and say, okay, I think I got what I needed. You know, like sometimes these self-help books really are like three pages of information stretched out into 300 pages. Um, you get, but sometimes you'll read the short form and you're like, oh, this sounds really good. I want to read the full book, but it's just a, a really good little service I use. Very cool. So you put some follow-up questions uh, yeah. in our in our document. Uh, I'd say we start with the first one. Uh, where does Apple Arcade fit into this, right? This is a service that Apple offers that you can pay and get access to a whole game library. There were no games on our previous list. So yeah, <laughs> what about Apple Arcade? A little. I use it a little. It, it comes and goes. Like, there was one called um, Japan Rural Life where you had a little guy in Japan and he had to like go to a farm and plant plants. But then it felt to me like it was, you know, those games with the dopamine hits were like, oh, my crops came in. Now I can buy the thing. I feel like they kind of interrupt real life too much, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't need a facsimile. I need to do a better job at the real version of life. So I played that for a while, you know, in general, the little puzzle games I'll, I'll load once in a while, but I, I just don't game much on my iPhone. Yeah, I don't do, uh, I don't do a ton. Occasionally there will be a, an Apple arcade app that pops up that, that grabs my interest. You know, they've remastered a bunch of like classic iPhone games and I've played some of those. Um, I have Apple Arcade because I'm one of those people that I use just enough Apple services where the Apple One bundle is cheaper. And so <laughs> Apple Arcade is kind of on for the for the ride there. But I do think it's interesting what they're doing there. And I would imagine in the future they will continue to push this in terms of like Vision OS and that sort of thing. But yeah, I'm not a big gamer either uh, anywhere, but especially on my phone. I mean, but since you have Apple Arcade, I'm sure your kids probably use it. Um, no, nah, not a ton. My boys are into Minecraft right now, so I have a server set up where they can they oh, can nice. do Minecraft. You know what? I think that's a great game for kids. Like, if they really go down the rabbit hole and start like programming it, and like, I I really think you know, as an as a as a father, you can do that in a way that can really help them make it a creation process and not just a dumb game consumption. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my goal with it. Okay. Another question. Do you do email on your iPhone? I've never asked you this. I do, but primarily triage. So I will sometimes like, I have no alerts, no notifications for email except for VIPs, which are very few people. You were one of them, David settle down. Thank you. That makes me happy. 
you know, like in the morning, I'll look through it and, you know, there's usually three or four things to drag the same black hole. Um, and then the rest will kind of wait till I get back uh, to my computer. But I very rarely manage like customer service email for relay or something like that on my phone. Um, I prefer to do email at my Mac, like most other things. So it is mostly triage. And I'm using the mail app. I know MimeStream has talked about coming to iOS. And when they do, I will move to MimeStream on the iOS because I adore it on the Mac. And um, all my accounts are, are Google or, or, you know, Google Workspace or Gmail based. And so I, I get to do that. But yeah, it's email. My iPhone is really a secondary email machine to my Mac for sure. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think I we have the same philosophy. I don't, I, if I'm at my Mac every day, I don't open the email app. It's not in, in my widgets. It's not in any of my home screens. It's over in the app library. If for some reason I find myself away from home or something and I haven't checked email for a day, I will go in there and do a triage. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I think it's useful to have it there. I know some people like uninstall their mail apps and they intentionally don't want mail there. I think that's extreme. Like you can turn off all the notifications and stuff. Email doesn't have to be a problem on your phone. Just show a little discipline, but also make it hard, you know, put it in a folder somewhere, make it so you have to like go somewhere to do it. Um, But if I need it, I'll use it, but rarely do I need it. And when I do use it, it's, I will only reply to stuff that really needs a reply. Yeah, I think that's fair. Any other work that you avoid on the iPhone? I tend to try to use tools that I I can use on my phone when I need to. So like if we're working on a show outline in Notion or in Google Docs on another show, I can pop in and like add something. I try to at least capture a lot of stuff on my phone. But say that, you know, I've got an email where like someone needs a refund for a membership or like a change, you know, there are things like that. Um that the iPhone just not super conducive to. And so the f- the phone for me is sort of screening and triage and capture when it comes to work. And I will do more if it's necessary, but I would much rather wait until I've got a bigger screen and a keyboard in front of me. Yeah, and, and that's why drafts was the first app I called yeah. in the show because it, it solves that for me. I can put it in drafts and do whatever. Although I will give honorable mention to notion. I th- I thought that their app would be terrible. And it's not. It's great. I mean, it's great for what it is. Yeah. And I can get into an MPU outline easier on Notion than I could when we did it in Google Docs. Mm-hmm. At least I feel like it. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. I'm I'm currently trying to drag the connected boys into Notion. <laughs> um, Good luck. Because I've really, uh, it's really clicked for me. Um, and it's it's their mobile apps way better than Google Docs. I mean, come on. All right. We said we don't like games. Pick a game. Um, Pick one game. The game I'm currently playing the most on my phone is Pocket Tanks, which is like a, a classic app that's been around for a long time. Uh, I've said this before on the show. My brother and I will like play an iOS game together. You know, it's multiplayer kind of uh, asynchronous game. And we were playing, I forget what we were playing before this, but now we're playing Pocket Tanks. And it's an old school favorite, man. Like if you look at these screenshots, this is really how it looks. It's blocky and old school, but it's a lot of fun. That's so funny because I'm the exact same. Are you familiar with Ollie's Arcade? Yeah. Yeah. And that that's from the gang over at Icon Factory. 
and they built a lunar lander simulator. Like if you're the right age, you know what lunar lander is. It was like one of the original video games. It was just um, vector graphics, and it was really hard. And this one is just as kind of vexing, but for all those reasons, I love it. And uh, that's the, it has got other games in it. I don't even play them. I just play Lunar Lander. And that's my, uh, that's my current game. Awesome. Um, yeah, I need to download this. Yeah. You will like it, my friend. Perfect. All right. Uh, well, that's going to do it for today. Those are our favorite iPhone apps. If you've got some we missed, we've got a forum for that. Go over to talk.macpowerusers.com. If you want to check out more power users, that's the extended ad-free version of the show. Go to relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsors, ZocDoc, NetSuite, and Indeed, and we'll see you next time.